Live Your Own Fit, the podcast, episode two, where we get to know Live Your Own Fit a little bit better. Hey, Pete. Hey, Jamie. Today, we're going to go through the Live Your Own Fit health and performance pillars. Just going to let everyone know a little bit about how Live Your Own Fit works and how we've structured Live Your Own Fit. We've learned a lot of things off many, many different people and there's some similarities here between other things that we've learned and other things people are doing out there, obviously, Um, because when you're looking at the people who are doing health and performance well, uh, obviously there's, you know, there's there's a main way of doing it and that is learning about health and, and the way that you look at health in a very holistic way is the is the key way. Um, so it's a good thing to be doing it similar to other people. So first of all, the number one uh, priority in our five pillars is health. So health refers to our emotional health, our nutritional health and physical health. Um, it basically enables us to reach all our performance goals. And it's the sum of all the five pillars, and uh, but it's also its own pillar because it's the defining term for how we feel day to day and in longevity. It's our emotional, nutritional, physical workings inside our body every single day, and it changes our risks of death and diseases. It makes my life more enjoyable and fulfilling, and um, it's just means that your cells are robust, that they can handle that bit of extra stress when you need it, um, whether it's through a bad day at work or whether it is you've, you've binged on some bad food or drinks, um, you, can, you can handle it and bounce back pretty well. Um, it also means your cells communicate really well with each other through balanced hormones and they communicate within themselves and the genes when new cells are created. So you're getting new healthy cells um, as the old ones pass away and leave new ones behind. So it's all about the information that they receive from their environment affects how they uh, evolve and how they change. And that's, I guess, that that is evolution, that your cells are absolutely... Um, defined by your environment and influenced by your environment. And that's just the main thing that we want to get across to people is that it is your environment and what you do that really influences how your body works. And we try to get people to see the big picture that it's not just, oh, it's not just bad food, but I'm okay with it because I'm still skinny. It's like, no, there is an actual consequence to eating that bad food and the way that it affects you at a cellular level and affects your risks of um, diseases and poor health later on in your life. And I suppose even going further onto that, it also affects, you know, the legacy that you're leaving your children and your grandchildren with, the genes that you can pass on. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. We've read a, a really good book um, called Deep By Nutrition. By Dr. Kate Shanahan. Deep Nutrition. It's um, has a lot of a lot of deep information about genes and how your nutrition affects affects your genes and also your genes that you pass on. Um, so seeing health as a big picture is is crucial. And it every time I think I'm looking at my health in the big picture, uh, another influencer that I'm listening to or a doctor that I'm seeing, such as Phil Maffetone or um, Trevor Chitsudi down in Melbourne, they 
remind me or they show me another window, another door into my system that I didn't even know was there. And I've got to take five more steps back to be able to see the influence that that other factor is having on my health. So constantly learning, but constantly just stepping back and looking at the big picture. And that was where I guess over the last 20 years, it's felt very frustrating that I've had so many tests at such a such a micro level on such small little things about um, influences of what my hair and urine and things are, are containing, um, which for me was always came back with nothing. But then that was sort of where the, the journey ended for, for many of the doctors and practitioners that I was seeing because they just wanted something to come back that said I had too many medals or that said I had this. And once it didn't come back with a certain result in any of my tests, they were kind of, well, okay, well, just try not to do as much as you're doing and rest a bit more. And that was from when I was a teenager, I was getting those sort of answers and they, well, it's not an answer. So to start to learn about the big picture of health and that there's all these systems of hormones and, um, sleep cycles and how everything is connected at a cellular level and at a hormonal level, I'm starting to really see health in the big picture and be able to help myself, I guess, because um, the more I'm learning, the the more I can see how everything's connected and it helps me live day to day and helps me improve my health day to day. Mm -hmm. Nice, Pete. Um, our second pillar, if we're finished with our first one being health, is intentions. So basically that's where we identify your specific goals. We use your why, a big why, <laughs> and we have different uh, processes in doing that, bringing out your why. If you don't have a why, we help you create a why. Um, I love uh, Thor Complin's simple strategy. It's simple, important, measurable, purpose, lofty and exciting. So that's how I like to set um, my intentions and my goals with with you guys, with my clients. Um, Pete, Pete takes a whole different route, I think. Um, he likes to set his intentions on serviettes in the past. Uh, with his uh, coach at the time. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> what you worked. were going at. I didn't remember that story. I was wondering what the hell you were talking about for a second. thought you'd lost your marbles. But yeah, at one point, um, many, many years ago, I sat down with my mentor and, and, and we put down um, in the, the goal was sort of, uh, I think it was like a four or five year goal. It was sort of like go top 10 um, and then increase that position top 10 in what top 10 top five in in hawaii the ironman hawaii top 10 top five podium and then win so i guess it was a four-year plan and we just wrote that down on a serviette with a couple of pretty little pictures of hawaii the island and you know that was it while we had a chat about where we were going and we pretty much did that to plan um maybe it was by chance a lot of it <laughs> maybe it helped a little bit writing it down so i did i went eighth and then I went ninth but that was with a with a penalty for taking too long to pass someone so take a few spots off that for five minutes um in the sin bin and it would have been about you know an improvement on the eighth and then I went second and then I won so yeah it kind of went to plan pretty easily but the big difference for my intentions and where I really learned the difference between just thinking oh I just want this to happen and or I believe it'll happen to me one day and just go with the flow so that was me right up until 2011. So from the day I first did my, did my first Ironman when I was about 20 years old, it was 
from when I finished, I realized, oh, I, I want to be the best in the world at this and just kind of believed, hey, one day I think it'll happen for me and that'll be great. And followed that career path, obviously. And then 2011 came and I was sitting down with John McLean, who um, is a is a very highly credentialed um, Paralympian and wheelchair athlete, first to finish the Hawaii Ironman in the cutoff times. First athlete of uh, any able-bodied to finish Hawaii and swim the English Channel as well. Um, and that's just a couple of his achievements. And now he's got an incredible speaking tour around um, highly sought after motivational speaker around the world. And he's written a couple of books, three now. And at that point he'd had two books and I'd read them both. And he's so driven for winning that he, when he doesn't win, he's just so upset by it. And that mindset that he has drives him every single day when he's training for a, a sporting goal. And I said to him, it was only a few days before 2011 Hawaii. I said, how do you, how do you get that mindset, John? How do you do it? How can I have that mindset in three days time sort of thing? I just can't even imagine wanting something and only, only wanting the win. And that's all you've, all you're going to be happy with. And yeah, we chatted about it and well, you can't switch it on in three days is, is basically what he let on that it's got to be something that happens and you give your your time and everything that you do has that in mind so all the training that you do um all the days that you just get up and do what you do and then you go to sleep that whole time you're thinking about winning only winning so i was there in 2011 and that was the year that yes i'd planned to go podium and i was like yeah, yeah i think it can happen it'll go pretty well but i'm not I'm not here to win. And sure enough, I didn't win. I got second. And from that day on, from, from the day after the race in 2011, I wanted to win. So the difference was that instead of just believing that, yes, one day this will happen for me because I think I can do this and I think I can be the best at this sport on this particular day, and it changed to I really want this. I really want to win. And I really um, started doing everything that I hadn't done the years before. So every year I knew that my guts weren't very good. And I knew that I needed to just dial in my nutrition a little bit better. I needed a little bit more structure, particularly in the final two weeks of my cycle training. So I employed the help of a friend or I didn't employ him. He, he gave it to me for, for nothing. Um, Hank Vogels, who'd ridden in the Tour de France. Um, been on cycling pro teams for, for decades. Um, he gave me my last two weeks of bike training efforts and, and that just sharpened me up, gave me real purpose, real direction where I was lacking it. So there was a couple of areas with my guts, with my sharpening up for race day um, that I can remember. There was probably a few others that I really put all my effort into because I wanted to win and I was only focused on the win. And all the training, all the visualization that I'd done was about winning in uh, in training I'd pictured the race so many times and I just felt really relaxed and calm when I was there in the days before the uh, in the week before the race in 2012 couple of interviews that I've got that I was just really really confident and relaxed that that was just going to happen for me um, I'd done everything that I could and um, as I said in the interview I think I said it's not rocket science I just need to go out there and make the right decisions on race day 
and do my best. And sure enough, because I'd practiced everything mentally and physically, it was, it was just, you know, pretty easy to go through the motions and um, have the best race I've ever had in my life because that's sort of what I'd planned for. So is that, is that a long enough answer for you, Jamie, of the difference between just just being complacent and, and thinking that this can happen for me one day and actually wanting it to happen? Definitely. I think that's um, it's a big lesson for everyone and a big key. And I think having the self-worth and the confidence in yourself to actually even uh, set yourself an intention is a big part of it. I've, I know I've never um, personally set myself an actual intention to do well in triathlon. I've always been of the mindset, oh, Pete's going to a race. Um, I'm going to. I might as well race it because the buffet is going to taste even better the next day at breakfast. Um, and I'll go in there and um, still have come off winning my age group, but never, never had a good race, um, never achieved, uh, what my, what my own ability I know and what I'm capable of achieving because I haven't actually set those intentions, um, properly. So yeah, a big, big lesson. And, uh, it's something that I'm really passionate in, uh, helping you all with. Um, on another note that something I often say to people and, and sometimes it's been to school groups with kids or something, I often say, you know, What's one piece of advice and sort of things like that along those lines? And I often say that if you commit to something and when you give up things that you know aren't great for you and when you have a, a goal and you commit, it's it changes your life, it changes your character, it, it changes your habits, it, it makes you such a better person and it's all about the journey that you become on the way to, to achieving that goal. So just trying, just giving commitment to something and giving up other things, whether it's just going to bed earlier or getting up earlier um, and just the changes that you notice within yourself when you have that commitment in your mind of a goal that you're thinking about every single day up until that point, it, it changes you so much in your character and um, mindset that it, it's such a huge uh, thing that I think so many people should should do at some point in their life, give up things and commit to a bigger goal. Awesome. Said okay. very well. Um, number three, nutrition. This is a big one. How about you start, Jan? Yeah, so nutrition, we, we view um, nutrition really is – it's uh, food, looking at food as our medicine. So we really are big, big fans of whole food, nutrient dense, um, full of high good fats, proteins, um, anti-inflammatory properties. That's the food that we're really excited about. Food that balances or assists in balancing our insulin levels so we don't spike throughout the day with our energy levels. Um, and making it tasty. So today, for example, uh, I had a ocean swim to do, wanted to test out my wetsuit before buy and try next week and, uh, felt like bread with, uh, scrambled eggs and avocado. So instead of having the bread, I knew it wasn't going to make me feel good, uh, in, you know, the coming days, it wouldn't make me feel good. So made a bread alternative, simply put, it was just olive oil, almond meal, flour, eggs, um, some, uh, baking soda and to help it rise a bit and time. And, um, and that was it pretty much. How and much time? It, time. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was super duper tasty. I've actually eaten half the loaf, uh, cause it was so tasty, but it's packed full of protein, 
really um, packed full of good fats and it's it's filled me up even though I ate half a loaf. Um, I'm really full now. And, and that was just super, super yummy. And it literally took five minutes to make and then in the oven for 45 minutes. So that's just an example looking at alternatives and making it really tasty and nourishing at the same time. And then, so because I not eating eggs and things at the moment. I'm on that real elimination diet at the moment for my health. Um, I made myself a lamb leg roast. So I've got this beautiful leg of lamb roast, uh, grass fed. Um, they went in the oven during the day today and, um, yeah, pulled it out and it was, it's beautiful. And we've been snacking on that this afternoon just before we started this and that'll be dinner as well. And it'll be snacks over the next couple of days will be breakfast for me and lunch and I can't wait it's um yeah beautiful uh grass-fed lamb roast uh, that's just been cooked today um <laughs> so nutrition is a big part of live your own fit and we help you with that we give you um meal guides and you know little food recipes all the time um coming to you as well we we do do something called a two-week test which we'll speak about uh in detail in um, later episodes. Um, but basically but yeah, it is uh, Phil Mathetone's two-week test. Yeah. And it just cancels out a whole heap of food. If you want to jump into it straight away, just go to his website and follow the instructions for his two-week test and, um, yeah, get started. A lot of people have done it that we've spoken to and they see incredible results really quickly. Yeah, one of those um, results or those the feedback that I've had from a, a client recently, uh, she basically lost all her, over the two weeks, she lost all her anxiety, her depression. She was actually able to sleep a whole seven to eight hours. Um, previously, she was literally waking up at 2 a.m. in the morning, making the hour trip to work and going into the office, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. So um, she's seen massive, massive gains. She's got the body back that she wants. Not that it's about that, but it, she has got that body composition that she she feels good about. She's lost uh, something crazy around her waist um, and around six to eight kilos in two weeks. So it's pretty unbelievable, epic stuff, big changes. And that's fantastic for someone who hasn't gone too far down a, a chronic health path. So for me, it's been, you know, a year of eating well, of cancelling out foods, of, of um, training at, a, at an aerobic appropriate level. And my, my changes haven't been as good as, as hers have been in two weeks. So it all depends on what your particular issues are and looking at things from the big picture. So I guess you start at these five sort of pillars and you start testing things like cutting out certain foods. And if you see dramatic results quickly, then great, because that means your body's not too far down the path that it's going to take longer to reverse or you've got more of a chronic issue, a chronic um, I guess a chronic setup where your hormones are going in really bad habits and um, it takes longer to, to reverse some of those things. So for me, I'm, I'm still learning, but let's hope that uh, yeah, it won't take too much longer. I can get a bit better. I might talk about a little bit more of that a bit later on. Um, and yeah, obviously the, the key things are, are not eating bad fats, um, like anything, anything heat treated. So any think obviously if you go and buy olive oil it says cold pressed on the label whereas when you go to buy uh, I guess you don't normally buy some people do buy vegetable oils but if you go out and you get fish and chips or just chips anywhere then that is all highly processed under heat um, 
and then again it's cooked again in heat. Those those are really bad fats. They've changed into a chemical properties that are not good for your body. That the body doesn't process well. Um, and a couple of people that I've listened to lately um, in the last couple of weeks have all said um, separately that it takes about two years to get some of these bad fats out of your cells, for your cells to regenerate from having had those inputs of bad fats. So a little trick, I'll give them a little free recipe now. Um, off, off Dr. Chitsudi down in Melbourne, who I've seen this year, he got me onto the lard. So uh, I made my own lard out of minced grass-fed organic beef uh, fat. So it was almost pure fat, just melted it down strained it through a cloth just to take out the little bit of, of meats and, and solid bits that were still in it, poured that into jars, put it in the fridge, and there's this white gold that is in the fridge now, and it is the absolute perfect thing to cook with. So if you, um, yeah, do a bit of Googling or anything like that, you'll see that lard is one of the best things, or I might call it beef tallow, is one of the best things to cook with because it's uh, just such got such a especially if it's grass-fed, it's got the perfect, a great ratio, almost one-to-one of three to sixes, whereas other poor fats are much, much higher in omega-sixes. And then the ones that say that they've got omega-threes in them, like the vegetable oils, or they've been heat-treated, so you're not getting, you're getting some good stuff, but mostly it's all been uh, oxidized and is in not a good shape for your body to, to try and process. So, Good fats, lots of good fats. Stay away from the bad fats. Um, eat lots of good protein and don't have any processed carbohydrates. It's a really good start. But there's lots of information there at um, Phil's website on those sort of eating habits that you can try out really quickly and easily. Um, and we'll be posting you know, continual recipes and continual tips and continual other information sources of podcasts and websites that other people have, that um, all this information is there. So it's best, I find that most people will learn and listen to a doctor, especially um, you're not going to listen to me and say, oh, well, Pete said I should eat this, so that's it. Um, And most of the people, even the people that I respect, I still want to go and relearn what they've just told me. So I'll go and Google it. And Google's not as stupid as it sounds. You can actually get amazing research articles and amazing in-depth articles um, on all sorts of things through the internet. It's an amazing thing. So give it a go when you hear something. Just just Google it for your own knowledge so you learn more about the big picture. It's not just, I'm just doing this because somebody told me to do it. It's fantastic if you can then go and empower yourself with the knowledge of why you're making those changes because that's when it will stick. That's when you will not go, oh, okay, I did that fad. I lost a little bit of weight, but you know what? I really love battered fish and I really want to have that like once a week. Uh, if you give yourself a bit more knowledge about what's going on, what those fats are causing in your body, you're less likely to fall back to that after you've gone through the fad of changing your whole routine. And you're less likely to snack on that once in a while, which may affect you a lot more than you think it will that once in a while it it may have um longer lasting causes uh results in your body than you than you think it might yeah so basically nutrition which is our third health and performance pillar that's um just us helping you individualize your uh your nutrition um 
and really get it dialed in what suits your body. Everyone's totally different. Some people can handle, you know, a certain amount of carbohydrates. Others um, just can't and they can't function with uh, with the carbohydrates that other people can. Um, I can certainly function with and I need a higher level of um, unprocessed carbohydrates, whereas Pete certainly can't function with many at all. So we're all totally different and that's where we help you dial in your nutritional approach and um, give you some freedom around your food choices well, as well. I'll, I'll debate you on that. It's not that you need it. It's not whether you need it or not. It's, it's more, I want to say, if you can handle it, because obviously if you don't have as much insulin sensitive, um, carbohydrate sensitivity and intolerance, like someone like with my unstable blood glucose issues, because my whole, all my hormones are messed up, um, it's that you can handle it once in a while. It's not something that you go, oh, okay, it's a free for all. I'm just going to have, you know, tons and tons of fruit every day and I'm going to have bucket loads of potato every day because um, you're still putting an impact on your insulin and on your hormones in your body by having that stuff. But if your body can handle it and recover, you know, and a few days later, it's a few days later before you give it another sort of hit of that stuff, then then it's going to work well. But you just, yeah, you don't want to be starting to say, oh, I need something. Uh, I think I'm definitely learning and part of the big picture is really just, okay, let's just dial back um, the way that we think about food a little bit, whether we need this or need that. Um, it's more just, you know, just eat, eat for how you feel at that time and knowing your level of, you know, carbohydrate sensitivity, uh, which you can find out a bit through the two week test when you start to reintroduce things, um, and other, other ways as well. (laughs) Don't want to debate me on that. (laughs) No, moving forward. Um, Our fourth um, pillar is fitness. So we look at building um, fitness. It's a bit like building a a high rise. Um, We want to build with good foundations. So that for us is uh, Phil Maffetone's approach. That's maximum aerobic function. You find that out um, by keeping to your math heart rate, which is 180 minus your age. Uh, which we'll go to in more in depth in future episodes. But yeah, very, very important um, to build that foundation of fitness, which so many of us, especially us triathletes, do not do. And it's detrimental. It cuts our career, um, our sporting career short, gives us a lot of um, chronic inflammation and fatigue later on in life. So you really want to build that healthy foundation um, with that maximum aerobic function approach. So I'll just read a little bit out of one of Phil Maffetone's many books. Um, and it's just basically about which system are you relying on? Are you relying on your slow twitch muscle fibers that carry more blood and can go for hours and hours and days without fatigue, um, which helps support the body structures, especially the joints, bones, arches of the feet, and helps you avoid injuries? Um, or you're predominantly a fast twitch muscle fiber person that predominantly burning more sugar and less fat. So if that's so, if you're burning more sugar and less fat uh, just because your muscles are trained to do that, um, you're going to notice it a lot. You're going to notice that your energy endurance is not what it should be. You're more vulnerable to aches and pains. Your body fat content is too high. You may not notice it's around your organs, but you may be really skinny on the outside. Um, You're under too much stress as the anaerobic system is connected with our fight or flight stress mechanism. So as you're burning more sugar and 
your body's more stressed, you're also not getting into parasympathetic so that you can't recover from your training sessions as well. So there's a, there's a double-edged sword there. Like if you do those high-intensity interval training sessions too often, that you're doing them, that you are training your muscles to burn sugar, which also puts your body into more sympathetic nervous system. And you're also inhibiting your the ability for your body to recover from those harder sessions. Um, and in those sessions, you might be doing muscle tearing. And if you're getting any sort of the DOMS, the delayed onset muscle fatigue issues, then you know, you've know you gone so hard that you're causing damage to your muscles. And that's another factor that you've got to put into your training and recovery and everything as well. So you want Long-term energy, um, free fatigue, maximum support for your joints and bones with injury-free muscles, good circulation, increased fat burning. You want both optimal health and great fitness, then you've got to go for the aerobic muscle fibers. <laughs> there you go. They are the winners. They are the, the base of health and the base of fitness. Um, so it's not just what your body's going to be doing while you're training. It means that's what your body's doing day to day. So if you sat down and you were just sitting there and you had a test to see how much uh, fat you're burning or sugar you're burning, which can be done through a Phil's actually developing a handheld device um, with his business partners that can test that just by breathing into it very simply. At the moment, most people are doing that on a treadmill or a bicycle and they're having to put this whole mask contraption on they're having to breathe into these fill these enormous bags up um, to do those sort of uh, tests so it's hopefully you know when this when this comes out it's going to be an amazing tool for people to just be quickly able to test particularly people who are well how much sugar or fat they're burning because it tells you how much where your body is in a state of stress and and how things need to be adjusted accordingly so another great little side note there about aerobic muscle fibers and maximum aerobic function and um yeah we'll delve more into maximum aerobic function in future future topics so we're yeah we're very big fans of heart rate monitors um for someone like me not a professional athlete uh still getting very much used to uh self-aware of my body when i'm doing things like running and cycling i need that heart rate feedback um to know what zone i'm in um someone like pete that is professional um, athlete they kind of know what what uh, the heart rate's doing. They don't need to. They're a bit more intuitive about their training. No, I need it. I need it. I need oh, to you need it, it too. Um, yeah. So we're big fans of heart rate monitors. Um, we do start people using uh, or building up their maximum aerobic function using their MAF heart rate, and then what we do is we work with them to make sure they're improving. Otherwise, that you know, there's a big, there's a big red. Uh, red signal to us if someone's not getting faster there's definitely something else going going on um so they do what's called a math test uh, after a month and um and you basically well you can do it at the start and then after a month um and basically just to, to make sure that you're getting you're getting faster um you're able to run faster cover more ground at that same heart rate so you're basically getting fitter so what that tells you is that you're also getting healthier also so it's an amazing connection there between the health and the fitness side where they where they two combine because if you are building more aerobic muscle fibers and your body's adapting to the aerobic training at your math, then 
that's what your body is doing the rest of the day. It is in that healthier, happier state where it is always using more fat for fuel. You're always pumping more oxygen around your blood. You're more parasympathetic nervous system. You're less sympathetic, which is the fight or flight and stressed out. So you're not going to be craving those sugars as much because that's not the main fuel for your body. You'll be able to fuel your body more evenly and have good energy through eating healthier foods, um, such as the fats and proteins, and not have to be spiking your insulin just to try and stay alert uh, throughout the day, um, which can have really bad effects if that's what you're doing often, um, long-term effects. And so it's an amazing instrument to test both health and fitness. And I think I touched on it at the end of last episode that that's, I wasn't really improving last year in my math test. So my running pace on the flat at, uh, you know, at my math heart rate, I was a little tiny bit better than I was, you know, months earlier, but not a huge difference. And I should have been able to, you know, go that 30, 40 seconds faster um, in that time frame where I was getting in theory, I was getting I was getting fitter because I was getting ready to go and race Hawaii last year, and I was I was feeling better. I was definitely putting in good hours of training, and I was getting fitter. But because I wasn't getting healthier, I wasn't actually able to get faster at the same heart rate. So uh, it was a really big lesson learned since then um, about yeah how the two connect. And lastly, our fifth um, health and performance pillar is recovery and self care. So recovery and self-care, um, I know Pete's a big fan of this one and Dr. Phil Maffetone, his equation for training is training equals work plus rest. And I do remember years gone by, um, Pete always saying that rest and recovery was his third or fourth training session of the day. Yeah, I used to count it. If I used to say to myself, okay, I've got the goal of three sessions a day. But three sessions in a session included massage, included a nap, uh, included a good sort of mobility, foam rolling, those kind of things that I was doing. Um, anything that was beneficial for my body counted as a session, and it worked incredibly well. I think I nailed three sessions a day, nearly every day leading in, in through 2012, leading up to Hawaii in those months. And... But it wasn't that I was training every day, but I was doing something for my body three times a day, every day. And it was incredibly, uh, I guess, motivating to have such a simple goal. Uh, it really helped me to have such a simple goal. So recovery and self-care, it really is key to preventing injuries. So whether that's physical, chemical, mental injuries, it um, it doesn't matter. They're all the same. There's always a, a main um you know, a main symptom there or main cause there uh, that we need to identify. Um, and it just stops you from getting those muscle imbalances that then lead to more serious injuries. Yeah, it's funny how everything's connected. So now we're talking about recovery and self-care. We could actually also be talking about the nutrition topic. We could actually also be talking about the fitness topic. So every every topic comes back to this is what you need to do to have healthy body without injury, without fatigue, with mental clarity um, and good, better emotions, better feeling about what you're doing and have sort of that uh, character building and a 
personality that, you know, people want to be around you because you're enjoying what you're doing and you've got these goals and you've got the hormones that give you that good feeling, the happiness about life. So everything, it doesn't matter. The five pillars are all really, they're all doing the exact same thing for your body, each of them. So it's quite a funny thing now that we've just gone through them to realize that, that, you know, you could, you could put the same description under, you know, the first sentence of each of the pillars and it would fit in. This is what you're doing because this is, you want to have your body working better. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about just maximizing your human potential um, and every uh, aspect of your life, I suppose. It's not just about sporting achievement. It's about, you know, your achievement at work, achievement at home, um, as well as, as training achievement and on the race field. Yeah. And just remembering, remembering the big picture, remembering that health and fitness are not the same thing. Uh, looking fit does not mean that you are healthy. And, you know, obviously if you're healthy, but not fit, then you're, you know, you've got a lot of improving there to do because being fit really helps make your cells and systems so much more robust. And today I just heard that, um, Cancer Association of Australia, they've just, they're the first country to um, give exercise as a requirement or as a recommendation to cancer patients. So they've recognized the health benefits of exercise. And I hope they're recommending, you know, nice aerobic exercise and walks and things like that and not recommending uh, the high intensity interval training for the cancer patients. I hope they define that a little bit. Um, I doubt they are. No, but you know, I hope, hope hope people common sense hope common sense plays out there a little bit, and people get some good advice along the way. I'm sure I'm sure there's some reasonable advice out there. So it's um yeah, that's great. So health and fitness not the same thing, but it's uh, they do go hand in hand um, most of the time. So that's basically sums it up for our uh, live your own fit health and performance pillars. It's all about just maximizing your human potential and something that we're really passionate and it, that's what gives us joy. So we enjoy sharing it with you. Yeah, it's been fun chatting with you again and we look forward to the next podcast and we'll have something really excited lined up for sure. <laughs> Happy, healthy and fit. <laughs>